Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. I'm Jim, joined again by Tom. This could be uh, one of our most anticipated episodes, perhaps ever, Tom. Um, and I say that only because one person has said they're looking forward to it, which is exactly one more person than has ever said they were looking forward to our show before. <laughs> oh, man. That is, but, uh, that is about the most uh, unambitious start. But... <laughs> But I should I say, though, two weeks ago was our most listened to episode ever. Um, so we are growing a little bit, slowly but surely. There are a few more people listening to us. Um, so whoever you are, thank you for listening to us. Uh, and, and yes, our self-depreciating jokes aside, uh, we do appreciate it. Tom, how you doing? Very good. Really, uh, I'm, I'm, if for anyone's watching today, I uh, decided to open the window in the back, let the, let the light in, and it's like almost like ominous. So yeah, you've got like a little glare right in front of you. Yeah, um, yeah. it kind of looks like an American flag, but I can tell it's the the um, blind um, reflection. I think on the screen probably, but um, Tom is glowing this yeah, morning. Yeah, and, and I got my Lij shirt, so like yeah, there you go. Yeah, like I wanted to show that off, and we'll talk more about that as we chat G one in a moment. We will, we will. So uh, the biggest piece of today's episode will be our, our, well, I don't know if it's the biggest piece, but the the main event, the end of our episode, we'll do uh, picks for Clash of Champions, which is coming up this weekend. Um, unlike a number of shows uh, lately, they've actually got nine matches announced before this show is going to happen. So we've got lots of uh, chances to have some picks. Uh, right now, Tom is whooping my tail, um, but we'll talk about that when we get to there. Um, in the head-to-head, -head. Uh, it's also not going well for us in our head-to-head -head fantasy football competition, where I am also getting smoked. Um, after one 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 head-to-head -head meeting last week, uh, we meet again this week in one of our our leagues as well. So uh, we'll we'll see how that goes, Tom. But uh, right now, you are just kicking my tail all over in all of our competitions, except G1. But we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about G1 first. Uh, for those who uh, are up to date on the G1, we are just going to discuss the first two shows, uh, which were last Saturday and Sunday mornings uh, here in the States, uh, just to keep up with kind of where we're both at in watching. Um, not quite done with yesterday, so we'll we'll uh, we'll just talk about those first two shows. Uh, the A Block show. Um, I was just going to pull up the results for that show. Give me one second here while I say that. Um, but the A Block show on Saturday and then the B Block show was, of course, Sunday morning. Um, in the A Block, we had, oops, if I scroll right past it, that's helpful. Um, in the A Block, we had Will Ospreay over Yujiro Takahashi. Taichi beat Jeff Cobb. Minoru Suzuki over Tomohiro Ishii. Jay White beat Shingo, and Kota Ibushi beat Kazushika Okada on Saturday. Uh, let's talk about Saturday first, maybe, and then uh, we'll, maybe if we do it each day by day, does that make sense to you, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what were your thoughts on that that first day of of the G1? I, I was really high on it. I, I almost used the word love there a minute ago, but I wanted to temper that. Um, I actually might have loved it, uh, but there's it was just the start. So I don't want to maybe get too hyperbolic with the use of the word love. Um, I really enjoyed it, though. I thought all five matches uh, in the in the G1 delivered. thought it was great to see people like Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Jay White. Uh, and while I didn't necessarily like uh, like all the finishes because of my picks, 
<laughs> I, I, you know that 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 that's a that's a, a a prop aside. You know, it all it all it all was good. It all made sense. So really, really enjoyed the kickoff to the G one uh, very much. How about yourself? Yeah, the I thought night one was excellent. Um, I agree with you. I, I the the fear I had in it was does it um, is it hard to top that bar. Um, and as we'll talk about night two, I, I think it was a little bit, um, but I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. There's still a lot of matches coming up in this thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, so, so yeah, I thought that first night was really great. I thought um, Osprey looked great. Um, I thought Osprey claiming that he's the best wrestler in the world uh, was was a good, you know, that's something now to watch throughout the the tournament. Um, not only his performances, but the results of those. And if somebody knocks him off. Um, you know, what does that mean to his claim of being the best in the world and that sort of thing? Um, you know, Tai Chi gets a win, not a shock there. I thought Suzuki and Ishii probably had the, the match of the night. Um, those two just beat the tar out of each other, and, and that's what you expect from those two. Um, you know, you're not going to get anytime either of those guys is in a match, you're not going to get a, a thatch as catch Ken, as Timothy Thatcher would call it, um, kind of match. You know, they're going to beat each other up. And, and they did that and they had really good. I thought Ibushi and, and Okada were also very good. Maybe not quite, you know, to Wrestle Kingdom level, um, but but that's okay. I Not every match can be, you know, match of the year quality. Doesn't mean it's not a really good match. Um, I thought I thought night one was good. For me, um, I went four and one on my picks um, on that night. I Nothing really shocked me. Even Ibushi winning, which was the one that I missed, um, you know, I don't have any problem with that. It did, didn't make me go, wow. It kinda, I kind of went, oh, okay. All right. That's what we're going to do here to start off. Um, we're going to put Okada behind the eight ball before before he even gets going. So uh, that's a that's an interesting way to start his tournament for him. Uh, night two, uh, we'll pop to that real quick, had uh, block B, Juice Robinson, starts off with a win over Yoshihashi. Toru Yanu gets a count out win over Sonata. Yay. Kenta beat Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr. over Evil, and Naito over Tanahashi. Uh, different kind of night, Tom, but what did what night two feel like for you? Yeah, no, I think that's a fair statement in, in, in difference. Uh, and, and, and I think when you, you know, the, the main event of that show and that match nearly going the full 30, you know, is why that night was different. Uh, I thought actually... Um, the evil Zach Saber Jr. match was was really good. Um, and it exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, back to the comment you were making kind of about just the surprise of Okada losing on night one. That's the fun about this tournament that I think that, you know, we probably unconsciously or subconsciously thought about it when we made our picks or didn't. And we don't know the stories that are going to be told. So when you take like night one of block A or night, one of block B on the surface and you attempt to process it, you're processing it with all that you know. In a week and a half from now, when every guy's got three or four matches under his belt, I think trends will begin to emerge. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, that that's just a hunch that I have or an opinion that's come to mind as I've watched the first two nights play out and uh, really, uh, really liked the... Um, the main event on, on night two with block B really thought Tanahashi was going to pull it out. Um, glad he didn't, but, 
and that's not against him. It's just because I want my pick to be right. <laughs> so yeah, and and I'm eager to uh, to to finish up night three and really dive into night four. Um, so, and then we and then I know we'll circle back to it. I want to hear your thoughts on night two. Uh, but there's a lot to come in the next week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I and I agree with you that that main event of night two. Um, I you know, Naito having to go almost the full 30 minutes to, to beat Tanahashi. Um, will that where, you know, will that play out in any further matches? Um, you know, and, and of course, keeping track of that's a little bit different uh, with Japanese commentary versus, you know, I don't have Kevin Kelly reminding me of anything uh, right away, but uh, I thought they did a nice job of telling that story. Um, Saber beating evil was a surprise um, to me. I did, I did not have that um, happening. Uh, I like it because I like Saber a lot. Um, I don't like it because I have Evil winning that block, but he can still win the block. You know, losing one match again, most people don't run the table. So uh, hopefully, hopefully he still does well because there's money riding on that. So well, you know, and, and on that on that note, like we talked about before, we decided to record today. You know, the how ironic would it be if Sonata loses how he did to to Yano, and then ends up winning the block in the end. And right. like the, you know, a you didn't take a pinfall loss. You took a you took a count out to boot. Now again, I'm I'm projecting and I'm and I'm hopeful because that's my pick there in block B. Uh, but how how interesting again of that of the story would that be? Per, perhaps if that is how it unfolds. And I wasn't I you know I accept that finish. I kind of like I, you you had to think that at some point that was something similar to that, if not that, was going to happen. So if we get it out of the way on night one and then don't have to deal with it the rest of the way, like I think people shouldn't be up in arms. Yeah. And you're right. Yano always beats at least one, maybe two people in the tournament that, that he shouldn't quote unquote. Um, and, and Sonata would certainly fit that bill. Um, I think most everyone, if you just look at it from station on the card, you're going to pick Sonata to win that match. Um, however, Yano did. Um, and I, I think I'd have to look back. I think one of our people in our, in our pickums uh, picked Yano, um, which would be Annette, who steamrolled to nine out of ten right uh, over those first two nights in our pickums. So, kudos to her for that. Um, so after just you know because we do the we did the pickums uh, after the first two nights, uh, I had twelve points and Tom had ten points. So I had picked I'd gone six and four. Uh, Tom had gone five five. Uh, over those first two nights. So um, we're not, we don't have any sort of bet outside of the money that's involved in that pick em pool um, going on that, that head to head, but it's just nice to have even a two point lead on you on something um, that we're competing in right now because I'm losing everywhere else. So I just wanted to put that out in the universe that, Hey, I'm winning. Uh-huh. Um, I'll accept that. So yeah. <laughs> that's right. um, yeah. So obviously we, we have, you know, uh, night, night two block a, which was on the 23rd, uh, night two block B, which uh, was on the 24th, which is also the day we're recording. We're both not exactly in the same spot with those shows. So obviously we will by the time the next time we record. Plus, in addition to that, there's four additional nights. Uh, so two two nights for each block. And again, knowing the timing of our lives and what we have going on, aside from our fun wrestling watching time, to be able to to think that we will watch all of that by the time we record next week, probably unlikely, uh, actually very unlikely for me at least. And again, I'm, I don't want to speak for your time, but I have to imagine uh, you're not getting up at, at 4 a.m. To, 
to watch. Uh, we talked about that before. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> little, little, little jokingly. Um, but yeah, it'll be fun to to reconnect on this. And again, we've got you know a good another three ish, three four weeks with this to play out. So that'll be fun to to have that be a, a regular point of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I agree with you. Yeah, me getting all six of those nights. I guess it would be um, in before we record again next week, probably not going to happen, but, um, but you know, get as many as we can and we'll, we'll update everybody and, and keep talking about the stories that develop, um, along the way, enjoying the G1, you know, two nights in already a lot. I'm excited to see where they go with it and, and what happens. I do have to say the one thing I will say is Jay White, um, after night one. And, and I, since I have seen Wednesday night and this won't spoil anything for you, Tom, um, I love his character work right now. He is such a great heel um, in, in kind of that old school way of just making you want to see him get his tail kicked, but yet he's so good at what he does too. Uh, I, I'm just really enjoying the, the, uh, the evolution of Jay White and, and the, the strides he's made as a heel. Uh, I think he's great. So I'm, I'm it, it, looking forward to, and of course you and I both have Jay White winning this whole thing. Um, so I'm looking forward to how his story plays out moving forward um, as well. And just uh, have really enjoyed his kind of maniacal side almost, it seems like that's coming out in the, um, now in his return. So uh, if there's see where they go. Yeah, yes, for sure. And if there has never been anything more egotistical uh, that that one has said, calling the tournament the J1 tournament yeah. uh, is a great way to, to position yourself as incredibly arrogant and cocky and brash. Uh, again, on the flip side of that, he can back it up. Right. Right. And that's, that's what I love about it is, you know, it's not, he's not the, uh, you know, chicken stuff heel. Um, he's, he's cocky and arrogant. Yeah. You know, ghetto and inter- interferes for him occasionally and those kinds of things. But again, that's what a heel does. That's getting heat. That's, you know, and, and it almost makes you more mad with him because you look at him and go, he's good enough. He doesn't need that stuff, but yet it happens. Um, so on a side, love, love what Jay White's doing. Uh, we've got another tournament going on as well. The pure title tournament uh, still happening. And uh, we saw this week, uh, uh, this past weekend on the show. I'm going to put the bracket up there again. Uh, yeah, pull the banner out. I always forget to do that. Uh, we saw Dave Finley versus Rocky Romero. Uh, Dave Finley beat Rocky Romero. Uh, so he'll move on to meet Jay Lethal and then uh, Matt Seidel over Delirious uh, to move on and face Jonathan Gresham in the second round. Um, I thought these were <clears throat> both uh, both good matches, and I thought they were both uh, lacking maybe a little bit of the star power of the first uh, couple of matches. So, um, But I thought these were both both fun matches to see. Again, I, I love the video packages they do, uh, introducing the, the characters, uh, whether you're familiar with them or not. Um, I thought the Delirious video package especially was very good because it kind of showed a little bit more of a serious side maybe of Delirious. Um, And even in the match, um, he wasn't quite as delirious as he usually is, I guess, for lack of a better way to put that. Um, Tom, what do you, I assume you've seen this show and uh, seen these, these matches. In fact, I know you have, because I've seen you comment on them. Um, What'd you think of, of week two of the pure tournament? 
Yeah, I, I was wrong on both my picks. So, you know, that's one more area where you've taken... Uh, taken All the things uh, that don't matter, I win at, yes. <laughs> put, your, put yourself ahead, ahead of the curve on. Uh, yeah, so I picked Romero and Delirious. Um, retrospectively, when I watched the show and I, and I saw how the outcome happened, I was like, yeah, why did I do that? <laughs> uh, anyway, I, um, I really was, was a fan of the, of the David Finley Rocky Romero match um, actually felt like that probably would have been better suited as the main event qual from a quality perspective. I understand why Delirious and Seidel did end the show because of their 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 story and their ROH history. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like the way this sets up for round two without a doubt. Like Lethal Finley definitely will be uh, quality, and 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 I'm. Remembering too, as I'm watching this and processing this tournament in real time, the fact that the time limits grow for the rounds as they move on is actually a, a better thing. Like the 15 minute time limit, not a bad thing by any means, but when you have that, and again, I, I said this last week when we talked, that clock at the bottom, something about that just still, uh, I would prefer not to see that. Um, I would prefer to have it be, you know, have a clock running, but like give me snippets of it instead of the entire time. Um, I think for me that just, that in, I don't want to say impairs my enjoyment, but uh, it does, it does something. It does something mentally for me when I'm watching these matches, knowing that that's out there. And I'm not sure why I can't really put a finger on it. Like I'm, I'm totally in favor of the rope break kind of things. Kind of like when a team uses a timeout on, on a football broadcast and it kind of goes away. Those are cool. Um, yeah. But, Sorry, I, I went off on a tangent there when you asked me how I thought the matches were, um, and <laughs> I apologize, but I, I couldn't I couldn't help but fall back into that uh, in that pattern because uh, because of how it lands with me. Uh, and then yeah, and Gresham and Seidel, um in round two. Uh, I don't know. It's Matt. Se I don't want to get off on another tangent, but Matt Seidel is a guy where man, his career trajectory seemed to be like on a super upward trend for such a long time. Uh, and then when he left WWE, it's been really sporadic at best. And it's just, it's just unfortunate. And I know that there's some health issues. And if I'm not mistaken, like the bone or the foot injury he talked about, like came from like a motorcycle accident that really had him on the shelf for a while. Um, I hope I'm not making that up. I hope that actually is a real thing. Um, but yeah, just you know the the potential of what maybe could have been more than what is uh and again he's getting a shot in AEW right now too so uh, you know how weird is it that in 20 maybe it's not weird it's 20 it's very 2020 that you'll have you know a wrestler showing up on the same major promotions show weekly and they're not directly competing per se it is very 2020. I agree with you on that. Um, and you're right. Two, 2012, he was in a motorcycle accident um, that uh, injured his foot. And um, he, he even mentioned like he kind of has a loaded foot now because he's got this bulge on his foot, which I'd never do that part before. Um, so, I, you know, and Seidel's one of those guys, too, that I don't ever get super excited to hear that Matt Seidel's got a match on a show that I'm watching. And then I watch it and I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. Um, you know, other than when he nearly ended his career and perhaps his life at All Out. But um, 
who knows? Um, yeah, he got a another shot there on Tuesday night with AEW, and and we'll see if that anything happens from that moving forward, um, or how far I. I think his tournament ends here in round two. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks when we start previewing round two matchups, but um, I'd be stunned if he beat Jonathan Gresham in round two. So spoiler alert for my pick there uh, in a couple of weeks. But this week coming up, we have uh, Silas Young meeting the debuting Fred Yehi and uh, Josh the Goods Woods against Kenny King um, in round number one matches. I have to say, super excited for Yehi to make his ROH debut here. Uh, liked him in Evolve and MLW and, and other places that I've seen him. Uh, and, and he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. It seems like the last uh, year maybe or more um, and not really been around a whole lot. I don't know if there was an injury there or what happened, but um, really have enjoyed Yehi. And I think young will be a good, good match for him. Uh, I would love to see Yehi win this match, but it just seems like they really always think they have something with Silas young. So I think that that Silas probably wins this match. Um, and then on the other side, uh, this is one where I, I can go either direction, Josh Woods or Kenny King. Um, you know, uh, they like to play up this idea of partners could meet in the finals. Um, they, they kind of have talked about that a little, both with Lethal and Gresham and also with Young and Woods. Um, so, so I don't know if they're going to play to that and maybe Woods gets the win over King. Um, King being the only one right now. Um, from from Los Ingobernables, uh, I can't remember now what the phrase is after that. But uh, from his faction with Roosh and Dragon Lee, um, King the only one uh, apparently at these shows um, because it doesn't seem like any of the Mexican talent was able to make it in. So um, you know, does King go? I, I'm going to go Woods, but boy, that's a dart throw. I'm not sure that I love that pick. Um, but I'm going to go Woods and Young, both winning. Um, on, on this weekend show. What, do you, what are you thinking about those two matches, Tom? Yeah. So I think Freddie A. High is actually a great talent to play off Silas Young. So I think that's actually going to be a really uh, interesting match. I do think, I mean, if, if, if we look at how the bracket has played out and how it's played out on TV, the red, the red side or the block A side has always been the first match when it airs. I have to think we get that again, especially because Kenny King is, the most elder statesman, uh, maybe by a nose over Silas uh, in these matches. And I also agree with your opinion uh, and share it that I could go either way on Kenny King and Josh Woods. Oh man. Uh, and I also, when we were, when you were talking and I was looking at the bracket again and thinking like, man, are they going to give somebody who's brand new, like right. a chance to win again? I think that would be Freddie Ahai of everybody I don't think it's Tony Depp and I don't think it's Russ Taylor and we already haven't seen it with anyone in the upper part of the bracket. Um, it doesn't give me enough uh, sense to to choose Freddie Ahai. So Silas on one end, I'm going to go with Josh Woods on the other end uh, because I think they do see a lot in him. Um, so yeah, that's, and again, if, I'm, if I go over two again, we'll be right back here next week to talk about it. Well, and if you go 0-2, then I'm going 0-2 because we agree on those two picks. Um, I actually think Deppin could, uh, the spoiler alert for next week, um, I think there's a chance Deppin could beat Black. I don't think it's necessarily a high chance, but um, I don't know. There's something about Deppin I like, and not sure if that's if Ring of Honor sees it or not, but it'll be, be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't bet any sort of money that actually matters to us uh, <laughs> on that. Um, 
So, so there you have it. Ring of Honor. Uh, again, I just think the, their presentation and that has been really spot on. The clock doesn't bother me. I know it bothers you. Um, but uh, I, I think their presentation is really good. Uh, they had been showing those packages in their week-to-week show on YouTube uh, the week before each episode would air. They stopped doing that this week, and I actually kind of like that. Because what I found was I had already seen them, because I watched the week-to-week show on YouTube. Um, so I'd already seen them. So when I was watching them on the show, they're still good. But it it wasn't tying together quite as well for me as I think it was for others. I really liked them, and, and I can appreciate what they were doing. Um, and I really, I really have been a fan of them, but I had already seen them. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward now to this week, seeing the video packages for the first time and then right before the match. Um, it's got a little bit of a UFC feel to it. Um, UFC does a lot of that before their matches as well. And, and I kind of like that. Um, it makes you care about there's a point to what's happening in the ring. Um, and I think a lot of wrestling and we're talking about it here in a minute or two, um, doesn't feel like it care doesn't feel like it matters. So so the fact that these packages show you who the person is and why they want to be in this tournament, why they want to win the tournament, I think goes a long way to making me give a rip about what happens in that match. Uh, and it's so simple. I mean, it's they didn't reinvent the wheel here. They didn't come up with some sort of weird um, thing nobody's ever done before. They just give you a reason to care. Uh, it shouldn't be that hard. All right, we're going to pivot here. Fair warning. Talking Rant about ahead. reasons to care, I think that's a fair, uh, it's a fair uh, uh, statement to anchor as we pivot. So before I even change this banner, we're going to start talking about Raw. Um, and, and here's the thing I've been thinking about this since Tuesday afternoon, whenever it was I finished the show. On the show on Monday night, Akira Tozawa apparently was eaten by a shark. And that was not the stupidest thing that happened on this show. <laughs> a man got eaten by a shark, Tom. And it was not the worst thing that happened on this show. And what about the referee? I mean, how, how do we know it was Tozawa? There, he well, that's true. Maybe it was he the referee. referee. But we're, we're, we're basing this, uh, this thought on our truth logic. <laughs> right. So, Which means the shark probably won the title at some point here, too. And we just didn't know it. <laughs> Fair, yes. Which I almost half expected to see him take up a, a fall to the shark or a crab or, you know, a conch shell or something. Um, and another, just aside before we get into the two main pieces that we want to talk on Raw, are we really going to play the paternity angle again? We, I, I didn't love it when they did it with Ray and Eddie back in the day, even though it gave us Ray and Eddie matches, which I love Ray and Eddie matches. Um Really? Now we're going to play as Aaliyah, his child, and Aaliyah's apparently going to get into some sort of a love interest with Murphy, which always goes well, you know, for the people involved. I mean, it, it definitely will help elevate Murphy, who should be. Um, good Lord. Um. So, yeah, yeah. And I, in response to that, and I think it's a, a fair statement to apply to many things on the show, um, mm-hmm. it was hard to follow. Hard to follow, and and who, in the name of holy, like, when they were writing this show, the whole show, we're going to talk about a couple of specific points here in a minute, who looked at what they were putting out there and went, yeah, yeah, that that's it. That's what we ought to do right there. I mean, I can only believe it's Vince, because he has the final say 
in, in what goes out. We all know that. Um, Bruce Pritchard obviously is very involved. Um, you know, I haven't listened to this week or, or well, this week hasn't come out yet. Um, something to wrestle. I'm, I'm very behind on something to wrestles for the most part. And they don't talk about current stuff, which is obviously smart for Bruce Pritchard's employment. Um, but I got to hope that this week, I don't even know what their topic is that they're going to release tomorrow on something to wrestle. Conrad Thompson has to give him a, what the was that? And then Bruce can ignore him and they can move on to whatever retro topic they want to talk about. But holy stuff, that was, that was one of the worst three hours of raw I've seen in a long time. And, and I actually thought they'd, other than some of the complaints we've had around retribution and things like that, like it hadn't been terrible lately. It, you know, some things had actually been going all right. This was a cluster of a show. Um, so we're not going to go in depth on Ray and Aaliyah. Uh, and and, and I, Aaliyah I, I'm, turn. I don't know. Oh, on your statement, who doesn't want a cluster of a show right before a major event? Right. That, 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 that is actually a very like it's a rhetorical question, but there is no right answer because that's not the way it should go. Right. So. And, and not like, you know, there's a way you can do a, a crazy show before the pay-per-view and make me think, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. I got to tune in on Sunday. Um, yeah, this did not do that. Um, I, I likely will tune in on Sunday night and, and will watch this show just because I don't think I have anything else going. Um, but I have to almost remind myself that it's happening at this point. It's definitely not a show. And, and not, not say, as we get to the pickums in a little while, not say any of those matches, there's one or two that I'm probably going to rag on, but most of them will probably be fine matches. It's the booking that I worry about around it. Let's go to our two points uh, that we want to talk about on Raw so that we don't uh, turn this into a double Broadway episode of Two Spot Monkeys Live Forever and Ever Amen. Um, and uh, let's start with Raw Underground. Uh, Raw Underground had uh, a number of segments, as they usually do. Uh, let me give a positive for Raw Underground, Tom, before we, we get into what I assume will not be some positive things. Um, I really liked this week at the beginning of each match in raw underground they had a little title card kind of like our banners here on youtube down on the bottom that said eric versus you know riddick moss or or whatever the match was i like that it started to give a little bit of structure to oh this is a match that's happening here are the two combatants who were in the match it had a finish they did better with that this week than i think they've done especially the last couple weeks um so kudos to them i i gotta give it up and um Brianna, I think was her name, the young lady um, who who kind of turned into the interviewer when Shane was just like, here, why don't you ask Braun Strowman a question? Which that was stupid, but she actually handled herself very well. I thought she did a nice job, you know, kind of debuting, I guess, in that role. Um, I don't know if that'll be, I, I can do without Shane handing her the mic every time, like she doesn't know it's coming. And then her breaking into being a really decent reporter um, after that, that was a little goofy, but um, just have her be the the interviewer. It's fine. She, I thought she did a very nice job. Um, I know you have some overall thoughts. So before we get to Stroman and Dabakato, since that obviously was the main crux of Raw Underground, uh, how you feeling, Tom? <laughs> sure. Well, so I, I actually have been, pre, this was pre-pandemic and it's actually given me, you know, during the pandemic and during some of the time where I was 
forced to stay at home, uh, not forced, that sounds really bad. I was willing to stay at home uh, for the betterment of our society. Um, I've been keeping track of all of the records from WWE participants this year. So I've got, okay. I've got, a, I've got a long running document of just tracking wins and losses. And yeah, you know, I almost brought this up last week with Aleister Black because when Kevin Owens pinned him, it was like one of the few times he actually took a pinfall loss this year. Um, and I thought that was over, then it wasn't, or it is not, based on what happened on Raw, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, but just quickly, like, thinking of the Raw underground, and I've been kind of keeping, I've been, the way I've done that on my end is I've logged the win as, like, an overall win for the competitor, but they also have a Raw underground record, which is kind of a subset of the overall. So um, Riddick Moss is actually, should actually have been the person to, to face Braun Strowman if we want to look at it from a competitive standpoint. Prior, and, and, and just jumping ahead a little bit, but it'll all tie in, and we'll talk about Braun and Daba in a moment. Daba Kato was just 1-0 in actual matches that I, that I, based on what I think I've seen on Raw, have actually counted. Like, And again, I think that therein lies, or therein, lie, therein lies the issue that we talked about where previously the structure was so undefined in terms of what constituted an actual match that you didn't necessarily know. So, you know, you might have a perception that Dabakato was 6-0 and because he just was killing dudes. But if he's just killing dudes and it's not a formalized match, then, you, you know, just because you're dominant doesn't mean you're good. Uh, so he was 1-0 before that. Riddick Moss was 2-0-2. I've had two no contests because of probably – Braun Strowman or Davocato interference. The hurt business, or yeah. Yep. And and, and Riddick Moss won again. So he's actually 3 0 oh, 2 in, in Raw Underground. Uh, Dolph Ziggler's 3 1 and 1. Uh, Arturo Huas is now 1 1 and 1, but arguably before he lost to Dolph Ziggler, which I didn't have a problem with that, but the poor guy hasn't even had a chance to really be developed. So, like, again, it's, it's, in, in one hand, it's the old boys club that are coming to roost again. Uh, and, uh, and you're not building anyone here. So if you're not going to use it as a platform to build anyone, and, and I want to hear what you think about Braun Strowman and Davocato, uh, of which now Braun Strowman is four and oh in raw underground. Um, I think I, I think they gave us an idea of where they're headed and I'm not, I'm not looking forward to it. You, you hit the nail on the head right towards the end there for me, Tom, um, with this is the, I felt that Raw Underground, you know, not even knowing Riddick Moss's uh, record, I, I didn't necessarily feel like it was building him much, um, although it was, at least was giving him some TV time. You know, he was around with the 24-7 title for just a little bit and then kind of disappeared. Um, but I really felt like they were building Dabakato very well. Um, however many matches he had or not, I agree with you. Some of that was really hard to tell because he was just wrecking fools. And sometimes a bell rang and sometimes it didn't. We talked about that last week. Um, but he, he looked the part of the monster every time he got in the ring, you know, bodies were flying, that sort of thing. Um, he's a big dude, uh, got a menacing look to him. Uh, I, I thought his promo was okay. Um, on Monday night, it was pretty, you know, paint my numbers. Um, you know, I'm going to show him that I'm the toughest guy in the yard kind of thing. Um, okay. Um, 
you know, I understand they wanted to change his name so they can own it. Um, even though the guy's real name, Babatunde, I think is a great wrestling name. Um, but there's, the, so I feel like they're building Dabakato. And the first time they have him face anybody with even remotely a name, and yes, they bring Braun Strowman in for that first matchup with him and a name. Um, they don't even feed him Arturo Horas or, or Riddick Moss or Dolph Ziggler or Eric or and RIP Eric's career since Ivar isn't going to be out for the next few months. Apparently he's going to be just nothing, um, which is too bad because both of those guys are talented enough to be single stars, I think, as well. But that's a whole different story for another day. We could go on for hours about misused talent. Um, but Eric appears like he's headed down that road. Um, because God knows when a tag team gets hurt. Well, apparently the only time they figured out that they can do anything with the other guy is with Big E this time around with Kofi's injury. But another story, different day. Um, so you're building up the avocado and then you have him get knocked out in a minute or two against Braun Strowman. And, and you don't even really give him, I mean, you give him a little bit of offense, but like, you don't, you couldn't even like have him rock Strowman and really have Strowman and, and then Strowman catches him quick or kicks him low and, and ends up, you know, coming down with elbows then. So at least there's some like, Oh, Strowman cheated, you know, Cato's really tougher, but you know, Strowman had to cheat to get the win or something. You just have him knock him out. Strowman's Strowman's toughest dude in the room. Why? What, what, what did we accomplish? Well, we're rebuilding Braun Strowman because we had him, lose the universal title and then lose to Roman Reigns. Why? Why at the expense of a new talent who is big and Vince tends to like his big guys. I know sometimes, you know, there are other guys that he'll push, but Vince does tend to like his big guys. We all know that. Um, it's shocking that he's doing so poorly with Keith Lee on raw, but that's a whole, again, another story for another day. Um, you know, you've got a big guy. I think he's kind of marketable. I don't know what Dabakato can do in the ring outside of Raw Underground because he hasn't been in any matches since he was in the the Greatest Royal Rumble a couple of years back in Saudi Arabia. I'm not going to count that. I've seen a little bit of his Evolve stuff. You know, I think he's got something there. Uh, but did I, it, one loss doesn't kill a guy, but it wasn't the right time to give him that loss. It was just stupid. Just stupid booking. Um and, and if they're going to go to Braun Strowman is the, the baddest man on the planet kind of thing, um, and I don't know if that's where you felt like it's kind of leading that, that you said you didn't like, we know what we have with Braun Strowman. You know, Braun Strowman is a guy who's going to spend his time mostly in the upper mid card and occasionally dabble in the main events because he's a big guy. He's kind of he's kind of the big show um, of, of this genre or this time frame, I should say, not genre. Um, he's kind of the big show, you know, he's going to, he's going to win a couple of titles here and there. Um, he's probably not going to headline a WrestleMania. Um, I mean, you know, he did have that tag team title win at WrestleMania a couple years ago with a kid out of the 18th row. Um, another great booking decision, but <laughs> why it just, it, the whole thing feels stupid to me and raw underground has felt stupid to me. And I felt like they actually had a chance to do something meaningful with it on Monday and they just pissed it all away. Absolutely. And and that's the thing. This wouldn't have been the first time or the last that they could have done a goofy ending and gotten a tease to, hey, first under first raw underground uh, on a pay-per-view 
tune in to Clash, even though it's not a title match. You know, you know, we're gonna make it for the Raw Underground title because everything, every title has to be on the line. I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 that would fit the WWE narrative in the past. So that, so that's another. That's just a response to to hearing your your feedback and opinions, and and you're not off base by any means. Where I think this is headed, and I hope that I'm wrong. But the 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 language and the tone and the aggression that Braun is directing at Shane McMahon has me fearing that Shane McMahon is eventually going to get in the Raw Underground ring or platform or whatever you call it and 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 fight Braun Strowman. Obviously, that won't be on a Raw because he's bigger than that, right? But I don't know. I. You know, and and that could be. I look, Shane's going to get involved in something moving forward here, one way or the other, and I, I fear it could be either this or what we're going to talk about in a minute here. Um, yeah, and and the worst thing they do, and they probably do this if they go your route, the route that you're fearing, is they'd have him beat Braun Strowman. So now Dabakato can't beat the guy who can't even beat Shane McMahon, but Shane's the best in the world and the greatest yeah. wrestler in the world and best on the planet and has a trophy and blah blah blah. Um, because whenever something isn't working, put a McMahon in it. That always makes it better. <laughs> it's kind of been their formula, and uh, yeah. So raw underground, yeah. Fart in church uh, is pretty much what that's been worth. Um, now, can they rebuild Dabakato? Absolutely. Do I think they've buried him and there's no hope for him? No. But it was just a terrible decision, and and I hope that. I hope that they rebuild Dabakato and don't just turn to how do we build Shane McMahon. Well, I, I'd love to see this roster be given some depth. Again, if this is where Eric is going to meander, and hopefully not meander, but if this is where Eric's going to be for the next six months or however long this goes, let him let him tell why. Let him say, hey, I'm so upset Ivar's out. But guess what? Before Eric and Ivar were together, I did this, and I was a I was rough and rugged. So that's why I'm yep. here and running around, and I want to win. Yep, it gives you Again. something to care about. Right. Again, back to what we were saying. <laughs> this may be a theme that we have throughout throughout the rest of this conversation. Before we get to the picks, uh, just give them something to care about. It's not that hard. All right. Well, something I cared about a lot in ways that I can't explain. Tom, I told you this before we started recording. I took notes, Tom. I don't ever take notes for these shows other than our agenda. We kind of have our rundown and then you and I just kind of freestyle it. Occasionally we have stats or, or things that you've kept, you know, stats wise or I've kept um, or I'll look something up because a note comes up like, like the Matt Seidel thing. Um, we've talked before about different, like have these two ever been in the ring together? So we'll pull up pro fight DB and look at that. Um, but I actually took notes on all the different things I want to say about the retribution angle that ran throughout Monday night raw. So it starts off with, the five core members is the phrase they used. I didn't know there were five core members. There are five core members. Apparently not six. We we thought maybe it was six last week, but it's five. Um, first of all, they've been signed to contracts by the WWE. Now, they've already told us they were at the Performance Center, so we already knew they were under contract. But now they've been signed to contracts. So, okay, well, these five people have been signed. WWE contracts. So, apparently oh, a WWE contract, which again, I don't like the logic. Don't don't get me started there. But I just wanted to, I wanted to articulate that though. Like, just like what what's the difference? Right. And no one's ever bothered to tell us what the difference is. Nope. And NXT is supposed to be the third brand. I mean, they're on USA. Um, 
anyways, so but but we don't know who these NXT talents were, of course, because they've been in the black with the masks and and all of that. Uh, and and here's here's the other thing about those contracts, Tom. They've been signed to contracts, which means they can do anything to anybody at any time. And Tom Phillips told us that 947 times Monday night. <laughs> now I wasn't aware that signing a WWE contract meant that. Or, and, and it wasn't ever said that these were special provisions put in their contracts that everybody else doesn't have. Now, I guess in some ways it makes some sense because let's be honest, the things that happen on a wrestling show, let's not even say WWE, a wrestling show um, that happened outside of the purview of a wrestling match in the ring, most of which would be considered assault or battery or even attempted murder in the real world. And, you know, they're able to do those things. And sometimes there's fines and suspensions. Every company is terrible about how they kind of go on with that and uh, and make it mean something. Um, other than I, I heard a point yesterday, um, uh, Wade Keller, I think, made it on his podcast that Ring of Honor, for instance, in their peer title tournament has a rule that if you inter- if somebody interferes in one of the peer title matches, they're fired from Ring of Honor. So right there, they've just laid out the rules. Now, hopefully they don't do something the one thing that worries me about that rule, and as an aside, I hope they don't have something where there's interference and somebody doesn't catch it. You know, the ref doesn't see it, so therefore the person isn't fired, except it's on video and everybody has seen it. Well, and uh, they have ju- they have judges, but but yes, I, I thought I thought that same thing too. And and to me, like it's good to have rules defined, but if you tell us that and that's very well articulated and it doesn't materialize, then what was the point of it in the first place? Right. And I'm interested to see where that goes with Ring yeah, of Honor. Yeah. I, I feel like they made that rule. There's there's going to be a reason they made that rule. Otherwise, I agree. It's a kind of a strange rule. But in the WWE, no, no, no. You can do anything you want to anybody at any time. Um, so we see these five people come out who we've seen before. Can, um, can, can and, I, before we jump, I, yes. I just, and, and I just want to make, and if I'm going to steal your thunder, I apologize. I know we didn't nope. share notes. I just want to make a comment about the 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 act the apparent action that led to them getting these contracts it was the previous week's episodes ending when they disrupted a high profile main event and were left laying that is what gets you a contract this, these days yep like yep. they were like look we just can't handle this anymore now granted adam pierce had already employed employed as being a loose term the hurt business as being the muscle so that so they they, we didn't even get to see that materialize, really, like in terms of like protecting the Thunderdome. No, we went off the air inconclusive, and the first thing we get when they come back on the next Monday is they're under contract. What? Yep. And and don't even get me started on the fact our, the Hurt Business are heels for the first two thirds of a show, and then they're the babyface defenders of wwe because they're being paid i mean so they tried to play that up at least you know i did like monta uh mvp's thing about when uh last week when pierce said thanks for volunteering your services and mvp laughed at him and said we'll send you the bill um i thought that was good um and and heelish you know in it but um but they're heels why are the heels defending wwe and then if we're supposed to hate retribution then we're supposed to cheer for the hurt business who we were booing an hour and a half before because they were you know, beating up Apollo Crews and Ricochet. Like, we have nobody else. There are 7,000 people on the WWE roster. We have nobody else that can do this except 
you know, this heel faction that frankly, you spent some time building into a reasonably good and reasonably over, I think, heel faction. And now you make them sometimes heels, sometimes baby faces. What, what are we doing there? So the five people come out, and last week we talked about the Eyes of Retribution. They still had kind of the ninja masks on a little bit, um, you know, but their eyes were were revealed. Um, and obviously we could tell who a number of those people were. They were still the same people this week, uh, but they're not wearing ninja masks anymore. Uh, apparently, Bane and the cast of Mad Max um, have come to WWE and joined... Uh, Retribution and the Raw roster, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever to me. The look of these five people is insane. Uh, Whoever put together those masks and thought, yep, this is what we're going to do, should be fired. End of sentence, they should be gone. no mention at all of their previous identities. Mia Yim, who is obviously Mia Yim. She's got a very, um, what do I want to say? Uh, you know who she is by looking at her and her eyes and all of that kind of thing. Everybody knows it's Mia Yim. Again, NXT is on USA. It's not just on the network. It's on USA. And you've promoted Mia Yim pretty heavily on NXT not all that long ago, like three weeks ago. Mercedes Martinez, same thing. Um, you know, Dominic Dijakovic has not been on NXT as often lately. Uh, he's been, you know, gone since I think he had that title shot, uh, with Keith Lee early on. And then the, the stuff around Lee and Karrion Cross um, as well going on. But the, the look of these five people in these Hannibal Lecter, Mad, Ma- Mad Max slash Bane looking masks, um, again, I just don't know who in the creative team saw these ideas and said, you know what? This is the way we're going to go for retribution. This will be great. This look will be great. I have ranted long enough on their look. I got more to say about names and things in a minute, but Tom, let me uh, take a breath here and, and let you weigh in on the new look to retribution. Yeah, you you really summarized it well. Um, Bane was was really landing with me when I saw uh, the the individual who we won't name yet, um, and uh, Casey Jones from uh, from the Ninja Turtles uh, happens to be part of the group too. Um, I hadn't made that connection yet, but you are one hundred percent right. All he needs is a couple of hockey sticks, uh, and we'll be good to go there. Uh, which again would fit with their mo because they like to have you know chainsaws and pipes and whatever else. And we um, won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't understand why we went from ski masks to to the to the masks we have now, and like and 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 I'm not opposed to it, but like. Could, couldn't we have given this more thought? I, I guess that's where I guess where I get stuck. Like I just feel like more thought. It doesn't seem like thought is being put in to this, and in terms of its execution, They're, they are. At least it looks to me. I obviously can't say for sure. They are planning this thing. I might be giving them too much credit to say by the seat of their pants. Um, 
had Retribution started off looking like this, I still probably would have said it looked goofy. But I agree. What part of their early looks made you think this was what was going to be unmasked? Um, had they just done, uh, you know, maybe distorted voice vignettes and, and not come and cut the ropes off the ring and, and jumped everybody and their mother, um, you know, around ringside and interfered in matches wearing, you know, ski masks and, and kind of, I call them the ninja outfits almost, you know, where, where you could just see their eyes. Um, had they not done that, maybe we got like cryptic video messages that had distorted voices and, and you didn't see their faces. And then they revealed themselves in this way. I still probably would have thought it looked stupid. Um, but it wouldn't have bothered me quite as much, maybe. Um, you know, I mean, Mia Yim wearing a Hannibal Lecter mask, basically. What, what is that? Um, well, and Mercedes, for that matter, too. And, Mercedes, too, yeah. And, and, and we have to call them that because those two don't have names yet. Sure. So, but with that in mind, like, they had an issue in NXT. So, like, what allowed them to, like, obviously the issue had been settled, but it was a kind of a heated issue. Are we... Retribution was kind of happening concurrently to that, if I'm not mistaken. There had to be some slight overlap in the least, and they were in the mix the whole time. Like who, like which? So which side of the story do we believe? Right, absolutely. Um, so they challenged the Hurt Business to a six-man tag, um, and and for reasons unknown to me, maybe there's an injury that I'm unaware of, that sort of thing. Uh, you have four members of the Hurt Business. They had a one-on-one -on -one match between Cedric and Apollo Crews earlier on Raw. So I thought, oh, okay, MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin are going to be the uh, the three men who take on Retribution in the six-man tag. Uh, but nope, nope, it's Cedric doing double duty for whatever reason. I, again, I don't know if MVP's got an injury. I'm actually okay with MVP being more of the mouthpiece and uh, and not the in-ring guy for the Hurt Business. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm not a big MVP fan anymore in the ring. Um, I think his time is kind of coming on in the ring, but just weird that again, you have Cedric Alexander in particular as a complete heel in his match with Apollo Crews. And now they're the, you know, going to stick up for WWE guys um, in the main event. And as they come out for the main event, as Retribution blackens the arena and their logo goes all over the screens, which is kind of an interesting entrance quote unquote um you know they can do some creative stuff with that right now because of the thunderdome we are told by tom phillips that the three men's name are t-bar mace and slapjack i've intentionally left it quiet there to just let that settle in for a moment folks Demolition called and wants their rejected names from 1987 back. T-Bar, which Dijakovic, I'm sorry, T-Bar, um, has, has tweeted out that it means, I don't know, terrorize, annihilate, beat up in retribution or something. I, I don't remember. He had, he had words for them all. Um, still a dumb name. Sorry. He's trying to make chicken salad out of chicken stuff. I get it. I give him credit for that. Um, Shane Thorne, now Slapjack, uh, tweeted out that Shane Thorne had never main evented Raw, but Slapjack did on night one. Again, he's trying to make chicken salad. I'm good with it. I, I, I really feel for these five talents because 
Dijakovic, Thorne, Mia Yim, and Mercedes, I think, are all very talented people. Dio Madden, I haven't seen a lot of in the ring. I mean, really any of in the ring other than kind of got involved in the Raw Underground without being named uh, in week one or two. So I, I don't know anything about Madden in the ring. Um, he had a little bit of charisma when he was on the announce team. You know, I, I hope he does well. Um, but I can't speak to him in the ring. The other four I've seen plenty of in the ring, and they're all good. They are killing these five people. <laughs> they are. Now, maybe not using their real names gives some hope that if this whole thing blows up, and it sure seems like it's got a torpedo headed for it somewhere, um, they can come back as Dominic Dijakovic and Mia Yim and, and Mercedes Martinez and, 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 you know, Theo Madden and Shane Thorne down the road. Um, maybe unless somebody pulls off their goofy looking mask and we realize, Oh my God, that's Dominic Dijakovic, um, with red face paint on his eyeballs, um, or whatever in the world that look was shaved his head. Uh, that was interesting. Um, but, uh, uh, I, I, why, why, why did we give them stupid names, Tom? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the actual T-bar. Okay. Terror, terrorize, brutalize, annihilation, retribution. Yeah, I don't even think I spelled that right when I gave out words for it. So good. I, I did like T a bar or something. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Thinking more on they've been given contracts and they can do whatever they want. <laughs> why Anybody, would you anytime? <laughs> why would you not resist fighting the hurt business in the main event? Why, why, why not start weakening the WWE from a different level? If they want to undo and tear down and destroy and brutalize and annihilate all of those, those things, I mean, there is something to be said to, to go for the head, but do we even know that the head is the Hurt Business? only by the last two weeks of, of backstage stuff that would give us that sense. So that didn't land well with me. I also didn't appreciate the ending of the match because <laughs> I was, was going to get there. Yep. It ended on outside interference from a punch on the apron. Yep. And, not, and Tom not, Phillips said, well, yeah, there's the DQ illegal man made contact with the legal man. Has he watched a hundred years of pro wrestling? Thank you. That's 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 where that's where it was off for me, because it's not as if we hadn't seen this happen before and that rule not been enforced. But now, but now we are, or that moment we were. Had he had some sort of object in his hand, fine. Like you know, hit him with a, a pipe or hit him with a a slapjack, <laughs> and I don't mean pick up Shane Thorne and throw him at him. Um, but you know, <laughs> slapjack. That's a stupid name. Uh, but is Jeff Jarrett on the on the creative team? He he is. Yeah, he is. Slappy's there. Yep. Okay. I I I don't know. I you know it it seems to me, um, and there are rumors out there that they're building to a some sort of major, probably stipulation elimination survivor series match now i'm curious will it be intergender or will they add more retribution members you know will we have t-bar mace slapjack and two minions to be named later um and i don't even want to try to come up with stupid names for them i'm, I'm terrified as to what they're going to call me and and mercedes i just 
I, I can't even, I don't, I don't know. Um, but there, it seems like they're building some sort of major, you know, kind of like the Nexus um, Survivor Series match a, a number of you way back when. Um, and what do you do? You just have Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee, and the Hurt Business beat them, and then it's over. And then you send them back to NXT probably to release them down the road, and half of them will end up in AEW. I mean, I, and, this and- is bad. And to that end, where was Keith Lee on Monday? Yeah. Everybody, hit, everybody hit the ring after the DQ. And uh, once again, Drew McIntyre has rallied the troops, including the heels. And, we're, and it's a full Pier 6 brawl. Conspicuous, perhaps by his absence, is the limitless Keith Lee. Doesn't he have an issue? Oh, you think? Yeah. You'd think. I mean, they, think. That, that, was, that was how we ended Raw a week ago. And Keith Lee should be pissed at Randy Orton, too, because he screwed him out of a chance earlier in the night as well. But Keith's apparently eating a sandwich back in catering or something or sitting in a hot tub. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so many things just didn't make sense about Raw on Monday night. Part of me is is looking forward to this show on Sunday because at least half of the matches shouldn't have any of that stupidity because they're from SmackDown. Um, and I think SmackDown, frankly, has been pretty darn good lately. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, although, who knows? Retribution hasn't shown up at, like, almost all of the pay-per-views. So maybe they have Sunday off now. Maybe written into their contracts is they can do anything to anybody at any time except for Sundays because they get to go home and watch football. Um I- What's the Sunday night game? Maybe they'd rather be watching that. I don't know. Um, I, 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 this is just, it's a mess. And we spent an hour of our time now on all sorts of other things and haven't made a single pick yet for Sunday. Uh, anything else you want to say about retribution, Tom? I feel like maybe we've beaten that horse probably not as much as it deserves, but as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I know. I think it's fair. And you know what? Um, it's been a roller coaster and not one that I've necessarily enjoyed. And I know that the ride isn't over yet. <laughs> right. It's it's something, folks. Well, let's turn to something that hopefully will feel a little more positive. I don't know. Uh, Clash of the Champions is coming up on Sunday. Uh, nine matches uh, are are set for this, this show, as I mentioned earlier, which is great. Uh, Tom and I, of course, make picks for every pay-per-view. We took a, a couple of pay-per-views off while, while dealing with... Uh, a, cards that hadn't been announced uh, much in advance was part of the problem, but also um, my own situation with my brother. So uh, we've, we've missed a couple of shows, but we're finally back to it here. In fact, the last show we picked, Tom, um, well, I thought I had it up here, uh, has been a little while. Let me get the sheet up so that I can tell you, right? I had G1 Climax scoring up instead of our pick'ems. Uh, SummerSlam, actually, was the last show that we did pick'ems for. Uh, so after SummerSlam, the standings currently are Tom has a record of 16 and 4. Very impressive, Tom. Um, and I have a not quite as impressive 12 and 8 uh, record. So four match lead for Tom. Uh, right now, the way that things look um, is that we will have this show uh, as well. Obviously, we'll have uh, picks next week for TakeOver 31, assuming they get that card fleshed out. I ha- neither of us have seen NXT um from last night, I think we both had a few things spoiled, but not necessarily that the card has been fleshed out in any way. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to make picks for take, um, TakeOver next week. That's our intent. Uh, there is a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view at the end of October um, as well. 
And then uh, we'll have AEW's full gear in November. I assume their um, Survivor Series, obviously, will take. I didn't have that in the list. That's interesting. Survivor Series, let's put that in the list. Um, there is a takeover scheduled, not for Survivor Series weekend, but the beginning of December. And then TLC. Uh, now, there may be, I had heard rumblings of a late October NXT UK takeover. Maybe we'll do picks around that. We'll see. Um, Tom, did you happen to catch the, the UK reboot last week the, or the I, restart? I didn't. I had intent to. And then with all of the other things that I'm prioritizing watching, that that did not, uh, did not even move up at all on the list. It's, it's a fun show if you get a chance. But I know with G1 especially right now. That's a lot. Um, so so maybe if that happens, we may or may not do, depending on if if we're up to date and, and feel like we can have any intelligent conversation around the matches that, that may or may not be happening on that show. But uh, so there are at least, to the best of our knowledge right now, uh, seven more shows, counting this one, that we should be making picks for the rest of this year. So I've got a chance, is what I'm saying. I, I just need to start not getting my tail kicked every time. So we're going to kick right off with the kickoff show match. A uh, little surprised this is the kickoff show match, to be honest. Um, I, I guess surprised or not. But the Raw Women's title match, Asuka versus Zelina Vega. Uh, Tom, we didn't talk about, uh, we always go back and forth with who makes the first pick. Um, we didn't talk about, should the guy who's behind make the first pick on match one, or should the guy who has the lead do that? I think the guy who's behind should make the first pick. The first pick on the first match. So that would be, uh, as previously noted, uh, definitely me. Um, so, so Asuka defends versus Zelina Vega here. First of all, I need to say, I like Zelina Vega in the ring. I think she's very good in the ring. I think it's been kind of a crime that she hasn't done more in the ring for WWE. Um, so I am thrilled to see her starting to get some opportunities. And I hope this is the start of, of a full-time run for her in the ring. Um, I've liked her as a manager. I think she's been great with Andrade and Angel Garza. I don't understand how you have to break them apart for her to do this. Um, but maybe that's just Vince thinking. Like, I, I didn't understand why she had to be like, I'm done with you, and now I'm going to be a wrestler. Um, why couldn't she just say, hey, I'm also going to focus on my in-ring career? Um, you know, at least they didn't rename her Mace. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I like Zelina a lot here. Um, you could certainly strap the rocket to Zelina um, if you put the belt on her on her in her first title shot, I, I think, ever in WWE. Um, but I don't think there's any chance of that happening. And the fact that it's on the kickoff show makes me even more sure of that, since it seems like on the kickoff show, you usually get the baby face winning. Um, that, that just seems to be WWE's um, kind of MO. Um, and, and I see that here. Uh, I think Asuka has bigger challenges lying ahead with Shayna Baszler and perhaps Nia Jax. Um, and you never know when Charlotte Flair might be back and where she's going to end up. Um, so I just think there's a lot more for her than Zelina right now. I do hope down the road we see a raw title run from Zelina Vega, uh, but I don't think that's the time here. And I, I think Oscar wins this match, um, but I hope Vega looks good in losing. Yeah, my pick is Oscar as well. I don't see the raw title coming off of her uh, until we have an established challenger get developed. Uh, and who knows when or how that materializes. Who knows? Maybe it's one of the unnamed females in retribution. Um, and I, I too agree. I too agree with you that um, that the Zelina Vega um, has a really uh, high ceiling that she's not yet even come close to. So I'm excited to see this. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not excited about the Sunday night game. I forget which game it is. I think it's Saints Packers, but I could be mis 
misassigning that game. Um, either way, like I'm, I'm definitely going to be giving yes. my time to this to this show just in an attempt to be more current with the WWE product. I typically almost always watch it on DVR or on demand. So um, since that Sunday night game probably won't have any impact on my fantasy teams, and it's two teams that at in week three I'm not scratching uh, at, at the bit to watch. Um, I'll be hopefully tuning in as early as the um, pre-show. The Lions do play late on Sunday, and uh, surprisingly, I still am on that bandwagon. Um, but it's it's the wheels are flat, and it's bumping down the road. So the uh, the Lions may play late, but they should be well behind by by five o'clock, six o'clock your time. So it'll that, be okay. That, you nailed it. That's it. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. The Bears, the Bears play early, but they play the Falcons. So, um, my Bears two and zero. Just saying, I'm going to take that while I can because I don't know that it's going to last. <laughs> uh, we'll move on though. Not a football podcast. Uh, to the U.S. title match, Bobby Lashley uh, defends against Apollo Cruz in what feels like their 937th match um, between these two for this title. Uh, Tom, you are up first to make the pick. Yeah. So this. U.S. title match. Yeah, so this is one of those matches of a few on this card that make me go, isn't the roster deeper than what we're seeing? And I don't mean that to be as a slight to people who are being featured. I just don't know why. Um, so assuming this match actually happens and with the retribution launch and with the Hurt Business's involvement, I could see it perhaps changing. I hope it doesn't. I hope we get a straight match. Uh, I see Lashley retaining. Actually, kind of, if you look back on some of our previous episodes, I kind of was projecting that this was the path we were going to eventually uh, be on or but the destination we were going to end up on. I don't think we end up on it to have retribution cost in the title, but maybe I'm wrong. My pick is Lashley. Um, and if if he loses the title... Uh, because of retribution, I'll kick myself. I, uh, I, I'm with you. I, there are a lot of people not on this show, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more in detail later. I'm, I'm kind of working on a list here while you and I are talking, uh, but there are a lot of people not on this show. And, uh, and I agree. You could have built somebody else up here. I, I'm kind of, I know the Apollo Crews, you know, Cedric just turned on Apollo and Ricochet a couple of weeks ago. So them and the Hurt Business, you know, still have a thing going. Seems like Apollo and Ricochet need a friend. Um, could Mustafa Ali be that friend? You know, he has been in the past. Maybe you need at least one because you're at least three on two, if not four on two. He disappeared. Um, yeah, I don't even. I, uh, he was on main event against Humberto Carrillo uh, last week. I saw on, online. I haven't seen the match. Um Something I read almost made me think, and again, I haven't seen it, that maybe they're teasing like a more aggressive side to Ali. So I'm like, is he going to turn heel too? I mean, are we just, you know, Apollo and Ricochet are turning into Sting. Nobody wants to be their friends. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley is somebody they should continue to build and continue to be behind. I think he is um, great, honestly, in the ring. I kind of actually really like him using the full Nelson. Normally I think the full Nelson's a little outdated, um, but especially the fact that he drops to his back and locks in the hooks on it. And he does a really great job of while he's doing the move, pushing the head forward um, in the full Nelson and, and making it seem like it's kind of a choke almost. Um, I, I think he sells it really well. 
um, from his end, and then obviously his opponent selling it as well. Um, all that to say, I, I don't think you put the U.S. title back on Cruz here. Um, unless you're just going to move the Hurt Business totally into a thing with Retribution, and you don't want the U.S. title involved in that for some reason, uh, I, I don't see that. I, I would be more likely to think Lashley would end up losing the U.S. title down the road here in the next few weeks to Slapjack or Mace or T-Bar, to be perfectly honest, as much as I hate those names, if you're going to try to build those guys, you know, if you're still going to try to salvage that thing, um, I could see something like that happening. Um, and then talking about how they ruined the United States title or something. Um, but Lashley is my pick. Uh, so we're, we're two for two, same picks on those. Uh, number three is a match with a little bit of an interesting story going on uh, right now is the SmackDown tag team titles, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura are the tag champs. Uh, I love this team. Um, and they are defending against Lucha House Party who are having a little bit of an in-house feud uh, right now. Kalisto seems to be just riding Lince Dorado's butt about everything. Um, Lince Dorado had an interesting tweet or Instagram post earlier in the week, I'm not sure which, uh, where he you see the back of his head without his mask on and just a little bit of, it looks like he has a beard perhaps, um, and he's holding the mask facing the camera and it says goodbye. Um, is Lince leaving WWE? Is Lince leaving the Lucha House Party? Is he going to unmask and become Lince Dorado without a mask or some other name they want to change him to when he takes his mask off? Um, I don't know. Could be interesting. That being said, I, I think the Lucha House Party explodes in this match and whatever, whoever's going to turn. It seems like it probably is Kalisto, but yet, like, is that a red herring? Is it really Dorado who snaps? Is it Metalik, uh, who kind of seems to be caught in the middle of this whole thing, um, who just says, I'm done with both of you? Um, Metalik's got, I think, has a ton of potential uh, to be pushed more as a singles guy. Uh, Kalisto and, and Dorado could as well. Um, I kind of fear one or both of them just end up on 205 Live or, or sometimes challenging for the NXT Cruiserweight title. But uh, I, I don't see Cesaro and Shinsuke losing. I think you've got something in them as a tag team and with the championships. I'd love to see them get a name. Um, I think they kind of said they are the fire or something on Friday night. They, they made some comment, but I they nobody ran with it on commentary. So I don't think that's what they're calling themselves. But I think Cesaro and Shinsuke win this match. And I, and I do think Lucha house party ends up uh, continuing their deterioration or probably exploding on Sunday night. Yeah, this has been a fun. Um, and actually to your comment earlier, that SmackDown's actually been pretty enjoyable. I being, being that concise two hour episode that it is, it's, it's not been too much to digest or it's been too much to let things get off track or get fuzzy. This this has been part of that. Uh, it's the the build um, because it's been Metalik being like the the guy that's been waging the battles in the ring as he's fought you know numerous uh, one offs either Cesaro or Nakamura. Uh, I also see the implosion happening probably Sunday. Maybe we wait a week and it happens the following week on SmackDown. I think Lindsay Dorado um, isn't the guy that that snaps. I think it's Kalisto. I think his, he's come back and been more aggressive. So whether that's a red herring or not, I don't know. Um, I, I could be okay with Dorado sunsetting, not that he's not enjoyable or quality, but for me, Metal League and Kalisto are the top two guys that I would want to see. And if they were to have a feud, 
again, knowing it's WWE and knowing where, you know, talents like that often slot after a thing like this, I can't imagine it would be something that would happen incredibly long. Uh, so Cesaro and Nakamura are my pick as well to retain the titles. Uh, I hope that we get a new tag team on SmackDown soon. Because, um, you know, and, and the one team that I think that probably could be making an impact that I don't know why they're not, but it could be political, it could be backstage stuff, would be Forgotten Sons. They wouldn't necessarily fit in with Cesaro and Nakamura right now uh, because it'd be two bad guy teams. Um, but I just, the Miz and Morrison, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, Nakamura and uh, Cesaro. Just give me a little bit more depth. And we'll talk about that too when we get to Raw. Yeah, absolutely. And and I agree. They, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the Forgotten Sons do come back. I think definitely Riker's tweet, um, political tweet at, at kind of the wrong time, uh, killed off their push. Um, and I don't know. Do you bring them back without Riker, maybe? Uh, maybe you repackage them a little bit too. I'm I'm not sure the uh almost militant white guys is a good idea in this political climate right now i realize you don't have fans in the arena but i just i'm not you know is there another way to do that team um you can still make them heels but do you have to do that with them um it'll be interesting to see and again if they come in as heels cesar and shinsuke are heels so interesting to see where that goes uh tom what do you think about the women's tag title match Shayna baszler and nia ja- nia jacks nia jacks nia jacks um the uh odd couple tag team that wwe just loves to put tag titles on uh defend against a somewhat recently reformed riot squad of ruby riot and Liv morgan yeah i it's interesting how the riot squad have gotten back together and reconciled uh i thought that was done pretty well on raw uh, and i think they've been a good duo uh it i think it makes good use of both of them right now I, I really wish actually Ruby Riot would, if this hadn't happened, I think Ruby would be like a better challenger for Asuka. Again, no disrespect to Zelina Vega, but I think you could you could build that out differently. Uh, I don't think that the 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 wick on the candle of Nia and Shayna is is burned down far at all, and I like what they're doing. So I see them retaining. I think Root Riot Squad actually are the first set of challengers. Uh, well, they are the first set of challengers, but they, they're like. I actually don't know that that they definitely retain, but they're my pick to retain. So Nia and Shayna retain. But if Riot Squad were to win, it would. I could see a story that makes that allows that move to make sense. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm with you on on that. We just aren't going to disagree on anything. It feels like here. Um, well, that's probably not true. But um, Shayna and and Nia Jax. I don't see them having a year long run with the tag titles. I don't see anybody really having a year run long run with the tag titles. Um, but I agree. There's more to tell with that story. Um, well, they've teased that they don't like each other. They haven't, it doesn't feel like it's boiled to the point yet um, where one of them is going to snap and, and turn on the other. To me, it's either going to be Shayna snaps down the road here somewhere or Naya just walks off and leaves Shayna, which then, you know, allows Shayna to snap on her later. Um, I like the Riot Squad. I agree with you. I think perhaps they could end up being the ones to take the tag titles off these two down the road when that does happen. I don't think it's here. Um, I I think Liv Morgan has come a long way in the ring in the last couple of years, um, in the last year even. Um, You know, she got caught up in that whole 
Rusev Lana thing um, for a little bit there, which was silly and stupid. But now they've moved her on, which is good. Um, I, I like the team with her and Riot. I think Riot is underutilized in, in WWE. So I agree. Um, down the road, do I see the Riot squad as women's tag champs? I do. Um, but it's not going to be on Sunday. So uh, I don't, I, I'm with you on that. Not a whole lot more to say about it other than, yep. <laughs> now, now a match where I got to admit, I don't know what to do with this match. The Raw Tag Team title match, the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. Uh, two, maybe three weeks ago on Raw, Angel, Angel and Andrade uh, got into a brawl backstage, basically. And that was when Zelina said she was done with them. She went out slapped Asuka in the face, and, and now she's got her title match that we talked about earlier. Uh, but then Andrade and Angel win a triple threat match against Humberto and Dominic Mysterio, Humberto Carrillo and Dominic Mysterio, and Rollins and Murphy on Monday night uh, to win this opportunity to face the Prophets. I, I don't know. I, I Again, I feel like we've seen this match a few times, because we have. It, is this the what makes this match different? Why would Andrade and Angel Garza win the tag titles now? Or are they splitting up? Because it did look for a little while like that's where we were headed. Um, I, I've read and heard that Vince sees Angel Garza as a young Eddie Guerrero and really has high hopes for Angel Garza um, and maybe doesn't see as much in Andrade. I think he's he's probably right on. I don't know that I'm going to compare Angel Garza to Eddie because Eddie's you know one of the all-time greats. Um, but do I think Angel has a, a bright future in wrestling? Absolutely. If he doesn't see that Andrade too, I think he's missing the boat completely because I think Andrade is absolutely, I think Andrade is a top of the card guy. Um, I think Garza can get there. I don't think he's quite there yet, um, but I think Andrade could be in the mix and and it's criminal if, if they don't think that. And if they're not going to give him any shot, then I hope when his contract comes up, he gets a chance to go somewhere that does, whether that's AEW impact back to Mexico, whatever it might be. Um, but that neither being here nor there. I feel like I've picked Andrade and Angel Garza to win this, these tag titles a couple of times. Um, so, and I've always been wrong. So, um, I'm going to do the other thing now, and now they're going to win the titles. Um, and I'm going to go with the Street Profits. And I think Andrade and Angel continue their problems, and, and maybe they explode now too. Uh, maybe we just have a lot of teams breaking up on Sunday. I don't know. Maybe that's part of the reshuffling of things. There is a draft apparently happening in October, so this might be the right time to break a tag team anyways, um, and you split one of them off uh, to SmackDown. Um, but I'm going to go with the Street Profits in this one. Yeah, this is definitely the match where I uh, do not need to see it again. <laughs> and I assume you're saying that nothing against the four men in the match because they're all good. Yeah, I just don't have a reason to care. and and. and Again, tag team depth, if you had given me three other teams or the two other teams outside of this group, like, again, with their issue going back to a few weeks ago, why were they in that match? Why did they even have a chance to compete for a tag team title shot when you were brawling backstage? Like, how, <sighs> how bad is the tag team depth on Raw when the three teams that are apparently the top contenders, because that's who should be in a match to get a tag title shot, are two guys who had a brawl backstage a week or two ago? Woodrow Carrillo and Dominic Mysterio, who I don't believe have ever teamed. And Seth Rollins and Murphy, uh, who Seth Rollins smacked in the head with a freaking cage the week before. Well, actually, they both hit each other with a cage. One accidentally, one on purpose. So Seth beats the tar out of Murphy. They're in the tag title, <laughs> tag title consideration 
triple threat. Carrillo and Mysterio have never tagged. They're in contention. And these two had a brawl. Right. Give me give me Cedric and Shelton. And, you know, Shelton's part of World's Greatest Tag Team or was part of World's Greatest Tag Team with Charlie Haas and part of Team Angle. So, like, if you bothered to, like, talk about your history and tout the athletic accomplishments of your talents, that that is actually worthwhile. Like, if if you saw those two in that in this spot, I actually would be interested in seeing that match. I would think because of the way the Hurt Business has been built, they have a chance to to become champs. And if the Street Profits were to overcome them, even better. That adds to their tag team lineage. Uh, but we're not there. So, yeah, um, I, I'm glad you brought up the draft because I do think that, again, when we think about the other tag team match and this, the potential split of Lucha House Party and but the potential split that could be on – on the doorstep here for Andrade and Garza. And I share the opinion. I love Andrade. Granted, he needs a mouthpiece, which is why he was with Zelina for so long, but in the ring, again, he's not scratched the surface really on Raw outside of the Rey Mysterio matches that he was having earlier in the year. But his NXT run was unbelievable. And he and he had a history before he came to WWE. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see your point of view that this could be the one where we finally go, yeah, well, they won the belts. And, you know, the seventh time was the charm. Um, <laughs> but I, I can't I can't I can't subscribe to that yet, even though that would be very WWE uh, playing out for that to happen. So profits are my pick, too. I, I'm, I'm looking for a way. I think there's going to be one or two here where we do disagree, but we're, we're chalk so far. I can see one for sure uh, where we have a chance because. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the next match we're about to talk about. Uh, I could be wrong. Maybe you're going to do something I just don't expect here, Tom. But the SmackDown women's title match, Bailey versus Nikki Cross, uh, is the next match up. Uh, this is all about two stories to me um, that don't combine at all, except that it happens in the same match. Uh, and that's Bailey and Sasha, obviously. Um, Bailey attacking Sasha a couple weeks ago on SmackDown, and then again on SmackDown in the Performance Center. Um, when Sasha had her neck in a brace and she gets attacked again. Um, you and I have both been on on point that we love that match um, or love that story. So I, I think Sasha may show up here. Um, and then Nikki and Alexa and Alexa's um, infatuation with the fiend and all of a sudden, you know, hitting sister Abigail's. So uh, I don't have a whole lot to say on this one other than Nikki's not winning this, this title. Bailey's winning the title. This was my pick first, but I'm glad you started. Oh, I jumped ahead of you. <laughs> it's all good. It was your no, pick. No, no, no. It's fine. And and we don't disagree. I have Bailey winning as well. Um, I I hope that we don't get Sasha showing up. Um, and I would be very much in favor of Alexa being involved with uh with with Nikki here. And I think that's a match that I'm eventually waiting to see happen. Um, the spell that when the when the fiend's name is said puts Alexa Bliss under has been one of the more uh, fun things to watch play out. So um, there we are. We don't disagree again. Uh, Bailey's my pick as well. And it looks like I might've lost Jim on a connection issue. So here's hoping he pops back in. I am back. Nice. Good. I I didn't see the chat, so I apologize. But we oh, you're have, fine. Sorry. We only had about two seconds of dead air. Thanks to me. Had a, had a quick quick phone call. 
show up there that I just needed to take. Nothing bad. Uh, so, yeah, just had to answer it real quick. So, uh, let's see. Yes, so I jumped in front of you. I heard your pick. We're both going Bailey. Yes. Uh, how do you want me to correct this? Now? Do you want to go first on the next one or just me go first and we get back on track? So you go first next, then I go first, then you go first. Because um, that last match is the main event. So, right. Um, yeah, you go first now, then I'll go. Then, yeah. Then, okay. Yep. yep. All right. So, apologies on that. I got a little excited apparently about Bailey and Nikki Cross match. You, you were um, thrilled about the two concurrent storylines that really have uh, nothing to do with the, the, the competitors directly in the match. Right, right. Nothing between the two of them, but they got things going on. Uh, all right, so we'll go to the Intercontinental title ladder match. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, of course, uh, claiming that he is the rightful champion because he did never lose the title. That is true. Um, and then AJ, um, obviously, being the former champ, Hardy being the current champ. Uh, no reason this can't be the match of the night. That's for sure. Um Wrong with all three of these guys being in a ladder match together. They're going to do some crazy stuff. I have no doubt. This will be enjoyable to watch. Um, and I can make a valid argument for two directions. I don't see AJ Styles winning this match. I just don't think, I, well, he's part of the story. I don't think he's the story here. Um, I, I'm going back and forth between Jeff Hardy and Sami Zayn. Um, because I, I think Hardy overcoming Styles and Zayn and saying, no, I am truly the undisputed intercontinental champion is a, is a good way to go. And yet Sami Zayn as just the obnoxious heel. Uh, look, I told you I was the champion. I told you, I told you, I told you. And he wins is all another way you could go. I'm going to base my pick solely off of how petty I think Vince McMahon is. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to put the belt on Sami Zayn. I think he's going to show that Sami Zayn wasn't that good to begin with by making sure he doesn't, you know, put the belt on him. Maybe he'll still run around and say he was the champ because maybe something happens and it's more AJ that loses than Sammy, even though in a ladder match, there's really not that, but maybe something happens to give Sammy that out still to keep, because he's really great as an annoying heel and, a, and just a pest. Um, but I, I just can't believe that after Sammy choosing, from what we understand, to not work uh, due to the COVID situation for a while, uh, I don't think he's going to get the Roman Reigns treatment. And when he comes back, he gets a belt put on him. Um, because I don't think Sammy Zayn has seen anywhere near Roman Reigns level. So I'm going to go Jeff Hardy. But boy, I'm doing that with an asterisk. And uh, I would not be shocked if I lose my pick on this match. Yeah, when this match was formerly made last week, Friday on SmackDown. I was very, very happy because when I sensed this issue brewing over the last couple of weeks, I was like, that has to be the end. That has to be the destination. So when it became a reality, I was like, cool, great. I can get behind that. And yes, there's no reason this may not be the actual best match um, of the night. I really liked your logic that you applied there. Um, and I don't disagree with with either of those directions. Um, I was wrestling a little bit uh, with a couple of things. One, I said to myself, can you have a clash of champions and it's called Gold Rush with a tagline and not have a title change hands, right? So there's that. And Which then, right now we have no titles changing hands up to this point. 
Right. Yep. Um, and then the other piece of that would be, you know, the issue seems to be between Jeff Hardy and AJ and AJ needs kind of to be definitively like ushered out um, of, of this set and maybe onto different things and, and who knows what that might be. Um, so the way to do that would be to have Jeff Hardy win with Sammy not involved in the decision because of something and he can still claim to be the intercontinental champion unless we have two belts hanging like WrestleMania 10. Um, I also was thinking you could easily have Sammy win and have him be chased because he is a pesky little runt of a, of a, of a, of a bad guy and I, you want to see him get his lunch served to him. Um, but you're right. I think Vince McMahon's vindictive. So, so that's a, so that's a problem. Um, I do have some equity built up in the slight lead I do have. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it interesting. And I'm, I, I, I like Jeff Hardy and I like the way I laid it out and with Sammy still having an issue, but Jeff being champ, but I'm going to pick Sammy Zayn to give us uh, an actual title change. Yes, there, there it is. We have, we have one difference so far. I'm going to guess, although you get to pick first on this next match, Tom, I'm going to guess we're not going to have a difference on this one. Well, you've already <laughs> said that's not a guarantee. That's a spoiler. Right. You've been, you've been, I have. Teasing, you've been teasing it for weeks. Um, no, I will say this. I, uh, I have really enjoyed the build for, for the universal title match. And, uh, this is a different side of Roman Reigns' character that I think has actually been fun to watch, and I think there's so much room. And I hope, I hope, and I have to believe that there's probably some truth to this. Paul Heyman is really like working hard with Roman to get the best out of him. I mean, he's incredibly talented as it is, but I think Paul Heyman has a an overabundance of wrestling knowledge. So to have him be packaged here and the dynamic and everything, I've loved it. Uh, so like when they had the Samoan street fight last week, Friday, Jay brought the belt into the ring that led to the end. And like Roman, like was like looking at the belt, like how the heck did my, my belt get in this ring? And then Jay grabs it and like goes to like, hold it up. Like he's the champ and then tosses it to Roman. So there's the interplay that's going on. That's been really fun. And then they're fan members, they're cousins. So they've been touting that, like that backstory too. I've always been a big fan of the Usos. Um, so I like that Jay is getting the shot. I think it's a good placeholder title opportunity. Roman's winning. And it's, he's going he's gonna to spear poor Jay Uso out of his boots. And that's okay. Um, because you have to do that sometimes. Uh, but I, this is actually a match. Probably, probably one of the top two or three matches I'm looking forward to. Quick aside to go back to the AJ Styles thing real quick before I make my pick here, which, again, it's been a spoiler. You already know what it's going to be. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about how I get there. Um, AJ, apparently, if you believe any of the, the dirt sheets, quote unquote, as some people call them, uh, lobbied to get traded to SmackDown because he and Paul Heyman could not get along on Raw when Paul was in charge of creative on Raw. Paul is now on SmackDown. He's not in charge of creative, although maybe he's in creative meetings. I don't know. But Pritchard is obviously in charge of both shows right now. Um, 
do we see AJ Styles get traded back to Raw? Even though he just got traded to SmackDown, does he go back to Raw now if he and Heyman really can't work together? I don't know. Be interesting to see. Um, you know, when especially with the draft coming, they could do it. Um, a little bit silly if they move him that many times back and forth, um, you know, at some point be adults and work together. But um, but I don't know the whole situation either. So anyways, on to the Universal title match. I'm with you. I If you would have told me six months ago that we were going to have a pay-per-view at Clash of Champions, Jey Uso was going to get a Universal title shot, I would have said, well, that's a freaking stupid decision, and that's going to be awful. Um, and it hasn't been. Um, I agree. The playing off of the family ties has been really good. Uh, Uso, you know, the, I agree. The little looks that Roman's given him. So, like, who do you think you are to touch my title? Who do you, you know? And and he's got that attitude. You know, that's Roman's character right now is uh, he keeps saying it's his yard, it's his island, which I think is an interesting um, thing. And and Heyman's been calling him the big chief or the, not the high chief, because that's Peter Vivia, but something about chief has been involved. I have to be honest, I think eventually, not on Sunday, but I think eventually where this heads, I think Jey Uso joins Roman. I think he realizes after Sunday maybe that Roman's right about things. Roman's right about how he's handling things. And I, I think we're going to get a heel faction on on SmackDown side, um, probably with the Usos whenever Jimmy comes back. I can't remember how long he was going to be out for. Um, but... Uh, and Roman again, the, you know, the, what did they call him before the bloodline? Um, you know, maybe it's the bloodline again, or, or maybe they call him the Island or the tribe or the something playing off the Simone heritage. Maybe they even bring in another family member. There, are, there are a whole bunch of them in that family that are involved in wrestling somewhere. Um, and, and they probably have one or two of them under developmental deals. I don't know off the top of my head, but, uh, Roman's winning this match. I agree. He's spearing Jay Uso out of his boots, but I hope that they do it in a way where Uso continues to show that he's earned the right to be in this this spot um, so that it's not just, okay, Roman beats him in three minutes and Jay goes back to being a middling mid-carder slash waiting for his tag team partner to come back. Um, because I guess I, I was wrong earlier in saying that Big E is the only time they've done anything with somebody lately when their tag partner has been hurt. Jay Uso, obviously a huge glaring omission in me saying that they've obviously just in the last month done an awful lot here with Jay Uso. Um, Roman being back, I think, helps that. Do I think Jey Uso would have gotten this push without Roman Reigns being the one that he's the foil for right now? No. You know, do I think he and AJ Styles would have had a feud like this? No. Um, or a match or a, a storyline like this? Absolutely not. Um, where I think Big E, they've seen him as a singles guy for quite a while or seen the possibility in that. So um, that being said, Roman's winning this match. Put it down. If we had to rank confidence points on this, this would be my nine. Um Jey Uso is not going to be the Universal Champion on Sunday night. I just hope he looks respectable um, and that they see where they can go with Jay from here. So, um, And before you make your next pick, I just want you to know, I just wrote down my pick for this match, this final match, before you've made yours. So mine's locked in. Okay. So I want you to know before you, I've already made my mind up. Okay. Well, I haven't made my mind up yet, so okay. we're going to see what happens and comes out of my yeah. mouth in a minute here. Yeah. I just want I just wanted out of full transparency and just in the sake of fun gamesmanship, I wanted you to know, like I've been, I've been contemplating and listening, listening there, and then also just continue to think. I go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this one in ink. So there you go. A um, little bit of an aside, just we were talking about the depth situation, and and that. Um, let me just name before we talk about this last match, Tom. Some of the names who are not on this show 
Seth Rollins, Big E, King Corbin, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, Ron Strowman, The Fiend, Aleister Black, Kevin Owens, The Mysterios. I mean, there's a whole other pay-per-view you can put together with people who aren't on this show. Um, it's kind of crazy when you think about it, yet we get all of these repeat, uh, not all of these, but a number of repeat matches, uh, including this one here. Uh, the What we think will probably be the main event, although Reigns and Uso could be the main event. I, I wouldn't be shocked with either one of them. I, I don't see anything else on the card that's going to main event over these two. Um, but an ambulance match, which I hate ambulance matches, hearse matches. I just, stretcher matches, I hate them. I just think they're stupid. But we're going to get one. Uh, for the WWE title versus Drew, Mac or, uh, Drew McIntyre defends his title uh, versus Randy Orton for, again, what feels like, you know, a number of times we've seen this match. Uh, but I'm okay with that. They've told a story along the way. It's not just, oh, we're going back to Orton and McIntyre again. They've told a story why they continue to go at each other. And they needed some sort of a blow-off. And if this is the blow-off, we'll see. Um, especially if there is some sort of a big retribution versus WWE match at Survivor Series. Um, is this the blow-off or is there a hell in a cell, perhaps? Uh, McIntyre and, and Orton, to me, has been a feud that would be worthy of going into hell in a cell next month. Um, and I, I like when that happens and when we don't just go, oh, well, that's the title match this month. So it's October. Let's put him in the cell. Um, so, so I go back and forth on this one um, because to me, if Drew McIntyre wins this match, there's no point in a Hell in a Cell match next month between these two. There's just no point um, because McIntyre would have won now a couple of times against Orton. The ambulance match also allows currently for you to, if you go to Randy Orton, for you to put the title on Randy Orton without Drew McIntyre taking a pinfall or a submission, although Orton's probably not, you know, he's not known for his submissions. Neither of these guys are. Um, so that being said, I can go either direction on this. Thinking that McIntyre will probably be the leader of Team WWE at Survivor Series in two months, and I realize I'm trying to plan things now for picks based on what I think might happen two months from now, which means I'm putting immensely more thought into it than Vince McMahon is. Um, so... Why do I do that to myself? Um, because nobody else who's actually making these decisions is doing this. Um, that being said, I have gone back and forth on this match, and I'm still right now going back and forth on this match. I don't have a title changing on this show until now, and I guess I'm going to do it. It makes more sense to set up the Hell in a Cell if Randy Orton, through hook or crook, throws Drew McIntyre in the ambulance and wins the WWE title on Sunday night. There it is. All right. My pick also is Randy Orton. So <laughs> I was I thought you were for sure we're gonna go for Drew, but I'm but I also your logic makes sense. And and I and for me, this is why I make the pick. McIntyre can lose without taking a pinfall. Not that that's always a big thing, but it is a big thing, right? WWE doesn't spend a whole lot of time, you know making that a deal but this is kind of one of those kind of out the back door ways to lose a title without losing without actually look you did you're a loser right you didn't you, didn't, you were held down for three seconds i also think and it, and you didn't mention it a whole lot outside of like the potential future for what may happen but what type of involvement might we get from retribution is, is drew mcintyre now public enemy number one for them based on what happened at the end of raw on monday um and where does and then and then if so 
how does Randy Orton fit in? Does he just get to be the bearer of the fruit of their labor um, and just skate pick out of the there? Bones. as Yeah, pick the bones or um, or what? I don't see Randy Orton as part of retribution by any, by any means. Um, but yeah, and I, and I do think then it builds to so, – so Orton winning – is the is a logical move retribution contributing to that is a logical move helena sell in october keeping retribution out for drew to say i never lost i'm winning my title back is a logical move again you and i as much as we've talked about for the last uh 100 minutes we're applying a lot of logic here for, for people who have demonstrated that at least from our purview aren't doing the same so there you go Absolutely. Well, I do believe that this goes down as our longest uh, Two Spot Monkeys Live since the reboot here, uh, 18 episodes ago. 17? 18? We're on 18. Yeah, that's right. Um, no, we're on 17. 17. Whatever it is. Whatever number this episode is, it's it's in the little header on the title of it, guys. So go there and figure that out, I guess. Um, but uh, I don't think we've gone an hour 45 on any of these uh, before. We've gone over an hour and a half a couple of times, I think. Maybe we've gone this long. But uh, we had a lot to talk about today. Um, so just to recap, uh, without going over all the picks, we have one pick that we differ on over nine matches. Um, and that's the Intercontinental title match. You have Sami Zayn. I have Jeff Hardy, which means AJ Styles, your new Intercontinental champion. <laughs> there you go <laughs> which will do neither of us any good and leave us right where we are um four matches in the lead for you so we'll see do i uh climb back and get within three or does tom take the lead and and come up with a five match lead again or does aj styles win and just leave us right where we're at uh with nothing changing other than than the numbers um tom anything else uh after this 105 minute uh, epic soiree that we've been on here yeah we could go we we didn't touch on a lot of things and i'm sure we'll circle back to them next week so out of the interest of our listeners time and our time i'll say i'm good for now but i'm excited for this weekend to see what happens next and also three big things as takeaways from what we get at clash of the champions absolutely and and keeping uh keep your ears open folks you never know one of these nights after pay-per-view uh we might just do a live three big things um, at at silly o'clock at night for Tom and and an hour less than silly o'clock for me. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little worried this pay-per-view is going to run long with nine matches. Um, I guess eight matches on the actual pay-per-view itself. Um, we've gotten kind of good, nice, tight three-hour shows, and I'm a little worried they're not going to do that with this many matches, although maybe one or two of these go really short. I, I could see a couple of these matches ending uh, pretty quickly, too, or ret- retribution ending maybe the U.S. title match. You know, and they just beat down Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley or something. Um, since the Hurt Business was in their business. Um, so we shall see. Uh, we will be back next week, though, to talk about, yeah, those three big things. Hopefully we'll be able to do a preview. Hopefully there's enough of a takeover card. Um, I did see on Twitter yesterday before NXT aired, so it's nothing I'm spoiling from the show. Uh, Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano was added uh, to takeover. So we'll talk about that. And then also, of course, Finn Balor's uh, title defense against whoever wins the gauntlet. And uh, we'll see what we, we uh, what other fun we can find. Of course, a G1 update, a pure title update, and uh, probably more shaking our head about retribution. Or maybe they'll pull the nose up on this thing next week. We can only hope. Uh, everybody, thank you, though, for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us for almost two hours today. Um, we hope that we have 
brought you enjoyment in whatever it is you're doing and uh, stay safe as the weather gets a little colder and we head into flu season, you know, get a shot, get a flu shot, wear a mask, all those things. Let's get through this and uh, just be good to each other, folks. That's all we can really ask of you guys. Just be good to each other. That's what we got to do. Right, Tom? That's right. All right. We'll see you all next week. Have a great night or a great whatever it is. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye.